Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Pastor Rachel preaches about the importance of remembering that there is a Christmas in the present. This sermon was originally preached on December 10th, 2023 at Lingostown Life. It was July 1st, 2015, when I started my very first appointment in pastoral ministry. I was over at Park Avenue United Methodist Church, this little tiny family church in Chambersburg. And on that day, when I walked into the office, I met my office administrator for the first time in person. I unloaded some boxes of books from my car. And then I finally sat down at my desk for the first time, and I was getting ready to sort through all that was before me and set up all that was there. And not long after that, a text message popped up on my phone. It was from one of my closest friends from seminary who was also starting his very first appointment as a pastor that very same day. And this is what he wrote. We just spent three years of our lives studying how to be a pastor. And here we are on day one. What are we supposed to do now? (laughs) He was feeling a bit of what I was feeling, right? Reality had hit all of a sudden. And for perhaps the first time in a while, we were fully in the present moment. You see, for three years, we had been studying and learning and preparing ourselves for whatever was in the future. And while there were many times in seminary where I felt at peace with where I was in that time in my life, so much was focused on the future, what was going to happen, on what was on the other side of graduation for us. And so there we were on our first day. The future was here. And we had no choice but to be fully present in the moment. We're living what we had prepared for in that time. I wonder if you've ever struggled to be fully present. There's distractions that are all around us, right? Sometimes we can become distracted with ourselves and the ways that we act, or we can become distracted from others who might interrupt our day. We might get distracted with the past, things that we struggle to overcome from our past, or we might get distracted with all that lies ahead in the future, the uncertainty of what lies ahead of us. And sometimes I think the short-term future can distract us. This summer, after we moved here, we got a Costco membership because we lived near a Costco. It was the first Costco membership I had ever had. And to my surprise, Costco started putting up Christmas decorations in August. Did any of you notice that? They started selling them in August. Um, I had some things to say about that in August, four months ahead of time. Now, I know that there are folks who will get all their shopping done over the summer, and maybe they have their gifts wrapped by Thanksgiving. And if that is you, that is wonderful. There's no shame or anything that's difficult with that. But what I think is so interesting is that four months of preparation are all done in one day. 
right? All of a sudden, it's all over in one day in our culture. On December 26th, a lot of the radio stations stopped playing their Christmas music. Instead of saying Merry Christmas, we say Happy New Year, even though the 12 days of Christmas start on December 25th. They start on Christmas Day. But that moment of Christmas Day that we spent months preparing for can be so fleeting. Today, we are continuing on in our Advent uh, series called The Redemption of Scrooge, and we're following along with some of the themes from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and we've had some fun exploring that story a little deeper. So in this story, Scrooge gets visited in his sleep by three different ghosts or spirits on Christmas Eve night. Last week, we talked about the ghost of Christmas past, and today we're talking about his next visitor, the ghost of Christmas present. And this is perhaps my favorite of all three of the ghosts, and I love the way that he is portrayed in the Muppets movie version. How many of you have seen the Muppets Christmas Carol? Some of you, some in the first service said, I never knew the Muppets had had a movie about it, and they do, so go and watch it because it's, it's fun. Um, but I love this spirit because he's so jolly, and he greets Scrooge by saying a line that I love, come in and know me better, man. Um, and I don't even do that line justice, but he's, he's just so fun. Um, he takes Scrooge then to the home of Bob Cratchit, his counting clerk. And um, that's what he sees from the Muppets version. Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog are playing Mr. and Mrs. Cratchit. And Bob Cratchit's youngest son, Tiny Tim, is crippled and may not have long to live if he doesn't have proper care. And this was all news to Scrooge. He had no idea about Bob's life or his family's condition. He never took the time to care about that. And so in the Cratchit's family, he sees a family that has so little, only a small goose around a simple Christmas meal. Yet Bob exclaims to his wife, there never was such a goose as he praises her. And then the family quickly shows Scrooge many things that he never took the time to notice. They teach Scrooge how to be joyful even when they have so little. They value one another over things, right? And so if we let it, I believe that if we stay present in the moment, Christmas can give us some unexpected gifts and perspective if we're willing to be present in the moment. In our faith tradition, this third Sunday of Advent is known as Gaudet Sunday. Gaudet means rejoice. As you saw earlier, it's the Sunday we light our pink candle. I think it's my favorite Sunday of Advent, and it represents joy. Typically on this day, we read what is known as Mary's Magnificat, or the Canticle of Mary, and according to Luke, some of you know the story, Mary gets visited by the angel Gabriel, who tells her she's going to be the mother of Jesus, and so then uh, she also hears that her cousin Elizabeth, who's quite old in age, is also expecting a baby, so then she makes this trip to go and visit her. Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist, who's going to prepare the way for Jesus, and Elizabeth tells Mary when she comes to see her that the baby leapt inside her womb when she heard that Mary was coming. 
And this is what Mary says in response. This is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Now, I believe that Mary is the first prophet in the Gospel of Luke. We might have trouble thinking of her in those terms because when we think of Mary in the manger scene, we read she ponders all these things in her heart. We don't think of her as someone who's going to speak out against the powers of the world, but really here she is speaking or singing a song of praise about God who shakes up the status quo, who lifts up the humble, and who chooses her to be the mother of God's son. And in doing all of that, she foreshadows Jesus' own ministry that will do the very same thing. But there's something in this that I invite you to notice. I invite you to notice Mary's tone. She doesn't talk about what God will do. She talks about what God has already done. Did you notice that? She says, he has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the powerful. He has filled the hungry. He has helped his servant Israel. Mary is acknowledging that the God of Israel is the one who has already sided with the oppressed and the downtrodden since slavery in Egypt. And this God is making and keeping promises since the time of Abraham. Now, it doesn't mean that everything has been accomplished, but it does mean that it will be. Mary is confident in this, and she is now included in God's ongoing story of redemption. Now, if I were Mary, I think every Christmas, goodness, that would overwhelm me, right? An angel coming to you and telling you that you're going to give birth to a son that you didn't naturally conceive, and you're going to raise the Son of God, uh, the Savior of the world. And Luke doesn't really go into a whole hysteria that she experiences. She just says, let it be, as you have said, angel. She questions a little bit and pushes back. Um, I do believe, though, that Luke didn't include a part where she really had to take some time to let it all sink in and maybe really um, get a little anxious about it all. But maybe that happened on her travel to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, um, because then in that moment, it causes her great joy to be in this position. She is filled with joy to be part of God's story of redemption. And I wonder, do you see yourself and your story as a part of God's ongoing story of redemption? 
sometimes I think that we might get in our own way. It can be difficult to feel joy in a season that forces us to be distracted by gift lists and to-do lists. The stuff of Christmas that is supposed to be joy-inducing can at the very same time be stress-inducing, and that can turn us towards anger and bitterness. Author Matt Rawl, who inspired this series and who were we're studying his, his book and Bible study in our, in our Thursday night Bible study. He writes this about um, this possibility of being overwhelmed by stress that leads to anger and bitterness. He says, abundance can certainly get out of hand during the holiday season when we surround ourselves with stuff rather than with spirit. We find ourselves getting angry that Starbucks cups aren't Christian enough. Do y'all remember when that happened a few years ago? Or when we become defensive when someone at the grocery store wishes us happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, we begin to think that there is a war on Christmas while forgetting that there are actual wars happening around the world. You see, Mary offers us a different perspective She focuses on the here and now and the things that are important right in the moment. I don't know if you caught the line where she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to his ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever, she lifts up God's act of mercy. So if we look at the dictionary definition of mercy, it's a lot wider than I expected when reading it. It says, kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. It is kindness or help given to people who are in a very bad or desperate situation. So Mary sees this this pregnancy as an act of mercy simply because God has chosen her, someone who is considered low status and carrying out this very important role. And in that, in lifting Mary up, God will also lift up and show mercy on all others who are lowly as well. By the end of the time that uh, we have in A Christmas Carol with the ghost of Christmas present, Scrooge is starting to understand mercy. As he watches the crotchets, he asks if, he asks the ghost if, Tiny Tim will be spared. And this is what the ghost says. He says, I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. And Scrooge is very overcome by this, and he starts to think about his words and his actions You may remember two weeks ago how was very gracious to portray Scrooge in a little reader's theater that we did because of copyright. We couldn't show the actual video. Uh, But he he portrayed Scrooge, who, with others uh, from charity, talked about the poor. And this is what he had to say about those in poverty. If they would rather die, Scrooge says, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Right in the very beginning, He was so opposed to helping anyone. And it seems to me that Scrooge's bitterness towards Christmas that we see full on gets in the way of him seeing all that is around him in the present moment. 
There's so much joy that he just passes by. But then when he understands Bob's impoverished family situation, it changes his attitude, things that he never took time to notice, and it moves him to mercy. And seeing them have all that joy, even in their bleak circumstances, moves him to start to experience joy too, even though his circumstances are much different, they're still difficult. And so he tries to find joy in that. What are the things that are keeping you from deep joy this morning? I am an advocate for choosing joy. There's a song by For King and Country, uh, a Christian band that's one of my favorites called I Choose Joy, and it kind of pumps me up when I play it, right? I'm going to choose joy and let it move you. But I also know that choosing joy isn't always easy. Circumstances around us that we don't choose make it difficult to choose joy. Sometimes we just can't do it. And recently, I read a poem by Donna Ashworth, and it's titled, Joy Chooses You. And it helped me think a lot about how we, how much we can be in the present moment. And I wanted to share it with you. It relates to being in the present moment. Joy chooses you. Joy does not arrive with a fanfare on a red carpet strewn with the flowers of a perfect life. Joy sneaks in as you pour a cup of coffee, watching the sun hit your favorite tree just right. And you usher Joy away because you're not ready for her. Your house is not as it should be for such a distinguished guest, but Joy, you see, cares nothing for your messy home or your bank balance or your waistline. Joy is supposed to slither through the cracks of your imperfect life. That's how joy works. You can't truly invite her. You can only be ready when she appears and hug her with meaning because in this very moment, joy chose you. Friends, it is my prayer that in this Advent season, in these two weeks that we have, before Christmas is here, as we prepare, that you would welcome joy with open arms and to let joy choose you if you can't choose it. Don't let yourself get in the way. Be fully present in all that God is doing right here and right now and see the ways that joy is just going to slip right in. Yesterday, uh, at Chris Kindle Market, we had our live nativity, and it was very hard for us to find volunteers. I don't know if you saw all the times that we announced it, because we kept needing more and more people, and, it's, and I've heard that it's a struggle every year. It's okay. But some people joined reluctantly. They said, okay, I'll do it. I guess we asked them too much, um, and I was so excited. I couldn't be in it because Richie had clinicals, and it was just me and the boys, and I knew that if I tried to be in that nativity, Reese would just go running out into the crowd when he got bored. So we stayed behind while a Marty from our church was in it, even though she organizes the whole thing, and she told me how to operate the sound system, and I introduced the church and welcomed the church that was coming after us. Um, 
but uh, so many people were in it reluctantly, right? Okay, I'll do it because we don't have anyone. Um, but we brought along with us uh, a reading of the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke, and we read that twice at two different times. Um, Sally read a very joy-filled reading of it the second time as she invited others from the next nativity to come and join us when they weren't expecting to come on yet. Um, she welcomed the shepherds to just join us, even though they were from a different church. And, um, and when they sang Christmas carols at different times. They said, Rachel, turn the music off. And then they started singing, turn it back on and turn it back off. And uh, I wasn't there. I was behind the scene, right? I couldn't see everything but people started singing with them as they came across them, and kids started feeling this amount of joy at seeing this nativity come alive. And I feel like uh, they just exuded this joy unexpectedly, right? They thought it was just going to be a boring time of being in the live nativity because we had to do it, we had signed up for it, and yet we experience joy in sharing the Christmas story as others experience joy around us. That's how joy can suddenly choose you when you let it. But if you're still not sure how to do that, I have an idea. There is this tribe in East Africa that has a rich tradition around giving birth. And when a mother first thinks about having a child, when she wants to have a child, she'll go away by herself and she'll sit under a tree and she'll wait for a song to come to her. And the song that comes to her is her baby's song. And so she then goes and she teaches the song to the father of the baby. And then when the baby is born, the song is sung. And then they teach it to other members of the community. And so all throughout this child's life, the song is sung. When the child gets hurt, when marriage occurs, big milestones in life, that song surrounds them. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And I'd like to think that this is what Mary is doing in the Magnificat. And so I wonder, what if Mary's song could be our song? The first week of our Advent Bible study, studying the redemption of Scrooge, I challenged the group, to, they broke up into small groups, and I challenged them to rewrite Mary's Magnificat to be in modern language and to maybe be a little more personal to, to us today. And so I invite you to do that if you're a writer. But if not, I wonder what would happen if we committed in these next two weeks, every morning when we woke up, to read Mary's Magnificat before we go about our day. And what if in reading that and that becoming our song, I wonder if it would change our preparation and our attitude of this season as we just pray along with Mary every day, remembering the goodness that comes from God. And I believe that when we do that, that joy might find you. I invite you to pray with me. Thank you for joining us on the Linglestown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth and love God and love others.